Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. And joining me today is the mental health comedian. So you got the shrink who expands your life. You got the mental health comedian today. Yeah. Folks, help me welcome Frank King. Welcome to the show, Frank. Oh, that raucous applause. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Frank, I'm not sure even how to how to wrap all of this into a brief introduction. You you wrote for the Tonight Show. This is the level of comedic mind we have going on here, folks. That's correct. Uh, for 20 years, I think it was working with Jay Leno and some of the folks over there on the Tonight Show. Uh, you've, you're a professional speaker. You get hired to do keynotes. Mm-hmm. Your topic is mental health, but you approach it from a standpoint of comedy. And folks, Frank has some very unique experience here, not only in the world of comedy, which I think we're going to enjoy today, but also from the mental health side, both personally and professionally, as you've worked in this area for as long as Yes, absolutely. Mental health comedian, really? Yes. Oh, that's the uh, elephant in the room always. So I address that Oftentimes, right off the bat in my keynote, uh, comedian, suicide, depression, how does that work? Well, a couple of things. One, uh, you think about the court jester, the original comedian, spoke truth to power on behalf of the powerless with humor. I believe I speak truth to the power of mental illness on behalf of people often powerless in its grip with right. humor. I believe where there's humor, there's hope. Where there's laughter, there's life. Nobody dies laughing. And depression and suicide run in my family. It's called generational depression and suicide. Grandmother died by suicide. Mother found her. Great aunt died by suicide. My mother and I found her. I was four years old, screaming for days. And I myself came close enough to dying by suicide about 10 years ago that I can tell you what the barrel of my gun tastes like. Uh, Spoiler alert, I did not pull the trigger. Yeah, that usually gets a nervous laugh from the audience. Should we be laughing at that? Uh, uh, Well, it's a true story. Yeah. You you survived, obviously. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Either that or this is really, really good digital enhancement of something. That's right. It's an amazing virtual comedian and speaker. But you've got enough personal experience, Frank, to know exactly what you're talking about here. And one thing that I love about this conversation is that we can talk about this. In fact, we have to. And it doesn't have to be this dark, depressing conversation. It's a serious topic. Yep. But it's one we can also talk about. And if, if we can talk about it, then we can deal with it. Things yeah, that my goal. Thinkable, uh, I think we have a really hard time wrapping our head around. Yeah, my goal, Dr. Paul, is to make talking about depression, thoughts of suicide as, as easy as talking about the weather. Uh, and by the way, the question comes up occasionally, joking about depression and thoughts of suicide. Here's the comedy rule. You can make fun of any group to which you belong. Right. So I have I have major depressive disorder, better known as depression, and I have something that somebody in your audience may have and not realize it has a name. I have chronic suicidal ideation, which means for me and people in my tribe, 
the option of suicide is always on the menu as a solution for problems large and small. This car broke down about three years ago, and I had three thoughts unbid. One, get it fixed. Two, buy a new one. Three, I could just kill myself. That's chronic suicidal ideation. Almost every keynote I do, at least one person in the audience comes up afterwards, sometimes more than one. They didn't know it had a name. They thought they were just some kind of freak. A young woman came up after a college show. She goes, uh, thank you for your keynote. I said, you're welcome. She goes, it made me weep. I go, how did it make you weep? She goes, you know your story about your car? Get it fixed, buy a new one, tell yourself. I've been having those thoughts all my life. I didn't know it had a name. I thought I was some kind of freak. And when I heard you say that out loud, I realized for the first time in my life that I am not alone and I wept. That would be mm -hmm. my why right there. Right. Because that probably has saved some lives, Frank. Yeah, and I realized at some point, Dr. Paul, that I'm sort of like the character George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. Because of these people that I may have just steered far enough off the path to suicide, they would live a relatively normal life. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've been shown what their life would be like if I weren't there to, to say to them, hey, you're not alone. And my second thought was, well, great, now I can't kill myself because I take all those people with me. Uh. So I'm stuck. <laughs> right. Now you've done it. And I'm glad you have. Thank you. Well, it's, it is my, to, to quote your, uh, some of the verbiage from your podcast, it is my purpose and my passion. It is what I was born to do. So people, my, my speaker coaching clients ask me, how did you choose suicide and depression as a topic? It chose me. That's how it is. We, yeah. don't, we don't usually choose our path. Our path chooses us. And who would ever think, oh, yeah, sign me up for that. that yeah. <laughs> that's the track that, you know, as a child, I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's sure, there's a club you want to join. Yeah, uh, it's uh... But it chooses you. And what, what I love about this context, it, it, which I think is true for every member of our, our human family, that whatever our package is has something to do with our purpose. Yeah. You'd think being chronically depressed with suicidal ideation would put you in a position where you, you can't have a purpose. I mean, yeah, you're, <laughs> yes, you are correct. Thinking, right? But it, it has become part of and a very key part of your purpose, which is just a little mind-boggling when you think about it. Well, let me give you another mind-boggling item. My fourth TEDx talk is called Suicide, the Secret of My Success, Dead Man Talking. Mm -hmm. Because I was married to my first wife. We were, she's a wonderful woman. We didn't belong together. Selling insurance, great business, hated it with a passion. And I was not doing stand-up comedy, which I believe was my purpose and my destiny. And I had a thought, unbidden, if I don't do something to change this, I'm going to kill myself sooner rather than later. And then it hit me, well, I could divorce my wife, quit my job try comedy, which I thought would work. If it works, great. If it doesn't, I can still kill myself. And I've met a number of entrepreneurs and entertainers who had the very same thought process. They come to that juncture where they're thinking, you know, if I keep doing what I'm doing, yeah. this is not where I belong. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going to kill myself. Well, hey, I mean, who, who more powerful than somebody with absolutely nothing to lose? Uh -huh. So... Suicide is also the secret of, and it's my superpower, Dr. Paul, mm. the, the ideation, um, I would, if I didn't have suicidal ideation, I'd kill myself a long time ago. Having that option, knowing I'm willing to do it, allows me to stand a great deal of pain. 
because suicide is not so much about killing yourself as ending the pain. Ending the pain, right. So uh, it's always there. I, I, um, I sort of sit in the exit row in the window seat on an airplane, the airplane of life, knowing that I could pop the door and go anytime, which allows me to continue moving forward. So interesting paradox. Yes, it is. <laughs> when it hit me, I'm like, oh, wow, that's my superpower. That's kind of sad. Uh, uh-huh. You know, it's, it's so interesting to me, Frank, these, these paradoxes in life. I think it has something to do with embracing the element of agency, which includes choice, mm-hmm. choice and accountability for, for our own lives. Until you see it as a choice, it's not. Yes, exactly. You don't know, if you don't know it's a choice, it isn't. Right, right. And many people who get to that deep, dark place don't see it as a choice. No. And I'm not saying and, feelings are a choice. You're going to feel whatever you're going to feel. Like, oh, yeah. wrong about that. But, yeah, but as you've my, pointed out, you know, this, the, it, it's given you a... a a handle on life that you didn't have before you realized it. Oh yeah. And you know, it's, um, I had an incident recently where I was, I was, uh, I was harassed or bullied online. The trolls came after me, including people locally. <laughs> and a guy said to me, I know where you work out. I'm coming to kill you. And I said, well, that's fine. Um, but know this, I've been trying to kill myself for 40 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> Unsuccessfully and, and, so far. Yeah, and and know this. I don't want to die, but I'm not scared of it. So just make sure that you fit, you work that into your calculations before you come see me. So again, it's that sort of you know that superpower odd sort of you know uh, it gives you a whole different perspective. Um, it, it somehow eliminates fear. Yes, when we come to an understanding of our choice. Uh, an acceptance of our own mortality because nobody yep. gets out of this alive, Frank. No, it, there's yep. a determined exit for everyone on the yeah, some, Somebody, one of the mental health podcasts I was on recently said, Frank, we're going to get you who's not scared of dying. He goes, I've got a patient who is terrified of dying. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're going to get you both on and have a conversation between the two of you and see, you know, uh, yeah. I said, yeah, he's, he's afraid he's going to die, and I'm afraid I'm not. So this is going to be a great conversation. It occurs to me as we're having this conversation, Frank, that the conversation about death, mm-hmm. about agency and choice, is one that we have to have more regularly and, and not being afraid of talking about yes. suicidal ideation, for example, which many of our listeners, and if you are one of them, dear listener, please listen. <laughs> if our yeah. listeners have experienced, but there's a taboo, I think, a cultural societal taboo about talking about it. Um, what's your take on that, Frank? Where, where do we need to get as a society in order to address this uh, uh, in a better way? I, we need it. I do believe, and my goal is to make it as easy as talking about sports or the weather. Um, there's a protocol. If you suspect someone is depressed and suicidal, you ask them, are you suicidal? Let's say yes. 
do you have a plan? And if they say yes, you say, what is your plan? The plan is detailed. You know, you need to get them on the phone with the suicide prevention lifeline. If the plan is not particularly detailed, I'd like to add two questions to the protocol. The next question is, well, tell me, are you going to kill yourself? And in my case, of course, I would say no, because you know why, because I'm George Bailey. Uh, and the last question should be, okay, if you're not going to kill yourself, tell me why not. Make them give voice to whatever it is that's keeping uh -huh. them alive. And I believe if we could allow people to give voice um, to their thoughts about suicide without ending up in a three-day involuntary detention hold, because you and I both know that if I'm chatting with you and you're a therapist and I reveal that I have having thoughts of suicide, in some states, by law, you're required to alert the authorities, go take me before a judge, and he decides or she decides are they going to lock me down for 72 hours? So, you know, people wonder why other folks don't talk about their suicidal ideation. Well, part, part of it is it frightens people. If it's a clinician, it could get you locked down for three days. So if we, I think if we could talk about it more openly, mm -hmm. then th we could bring the rate down. This is my, just my opinion. I agree. And talking about death won't kill you. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I had a mortician. He, he actually prefers to be called an undertaker. Shared that Whoa. with me on my, on my podcast. Um, yeah, well, yeah. and funny you should say that because, um, you know, with the COVID and I'm not speaking as often as I was like with the, you know, because I can't fly anywhere. My wife said, what would you do for a job? And I said, well, I've got a friend who owns six mortuaries. I would go to him and I said, look, I'd like to work in sales for you. And, and you go, you're a comedian. I go, why would I hire you? I go, well, because you probably don't have anybody on the staff who knows anything about suicide, suicidalities. Because, you know, people lose someone. Yeah. They often say out loud, why should I go on? Well, if you haven't been trained in listening for stuff like that, you might not pick that up as a sign that perhaps they're having thoughts of suicide. Right. Plus, with a suicide death, it's sudden, uh, like a car accident, but it's not accidental. So there's a whole, the, the verbiage is different. Right. Speaking to ones who are grieve, grieving over a suicide. So that's why you would hire me because I have a sensitivity that, that your other staff does not. You've given me an idea for the second half of our program today, Frank. I think the verbiage, the words we use, there are some things that are helpful, some things that are less helpful. Yep. And maybe getting into that would be a good place to start up with our second half. Does that sound good to you? Yes, and here's the one first one we're going to take down is committed suicide. It's, it's, it's that's, that that's commit is a is a loaded word. So that's we'll talk about the that one later. I was thinking about. <laughs> you know, I thought you might be. That's a cliffhanger, everybody. <laughs> because right after this break, we'll get into the details about that. This is Frank King at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll see you in just a second. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, 
your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me, drpauljenkins.com. Welcome back to Live On Purpose Radio. Frank King today, the mental health comedian. And we're having a great talk about suicide and depression. <laughs> yeah, woo! I know. Sign up for this one, you guys. Hey, uh, Frank, you said something really important coming into the break. And it has to do with the verbiage, the wording. Uh, one of the reasons that there are so many social taboos about talking about this thing is because we've put it up there with some of the highest crimes and felonies that you can commit. Yes. You commit a crime, you commit adultery, you commit a sin, well, a sin. You commit uh, murder. Commit murder, yes. And, and I didn't understand when I first got into the mental health business. I thought it's just words. And then you realize that they, words have baggage, words have power. Yeah. And so we're working very hard to change it from commit suicide to, I believe, died by suicide or completed a suicide, if I'm not mistaken. Well, there's so many different options. I, I spoke at a funeral for a good friend who ended his own life. That's another way to say it. Yep. Who, who died by suicide. It, it just sounds so much less condemning, I think, to put it that way. And one thing that I mentioned at this friend's funeral, Frank, he, he was such a good man who had inspired so many people to do so much good. And everything that, that people were, was fo were focusing on there at his funeral was how he died. Yep. That is not the most interesting thing about this man. And one choice that had admittedly fatal consequences is not the way to judge a lifetime of choices. And I don't think we're in a place to judge anyway. Yeah, and, you know, if you think about it, um, you don't say, I mean, mental illness is an illness, uh, like cancer. You don't say he committed cancer. I suppose if he smoked three packs a day, that would be committing cancer. But you don't commit cancer. You don't commit <laughs> diabetes. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I think, I think the verbiage did need to be changed. It's, Absolutely. Uh, and, and here's something that mental, uh, the neurotypical people I don't think understand about mental illness. It's like, there's a Greek character named Sisyphus. He gave fire to man. He got punished by, they wanted him to roll a rock up a hill every day until he rolled it over the top of the hill. But every day when he got near the top, it rolled back down to the bottom. So next morning he had to get up and push it all the way up the hill and roll back down to the bottom. Having a mental illness is a lot like that. You wake up and, and there's always a rock and always a hill. Some days the rock is small and the hill is not so steep. Some days the rock is a boulder and the hill is Kilimanjaro. But every day you wake up, there's a rock and a hill. And the day comes when, you know, it came for me where I just couldn't move the rock anymore. Mm -hmm. So my job speaking is to make sure that whoever hears the sound of my voice, uh, when they wake up in the morning, they can still move the rock. Right. Hopefully we can assist each other with our rock movie. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the, um, the thing about peer counseling, a lot of people are not aware. There's a great organization called NAMI, National Alliance of Mental Illness. They offer peer-to-peer -peer and family-to-family counseling. You know, people who've been through the same thing, who've traveled that road. 
there's a great story about a guy who falls down a well and family member, family member comes, looks down, says, I'm really sorry you fell in the well. And a friend comes by, oh, I wish I could help you out. A stranger comes by, looks down, sees him in the well, crawls over the lip of the well and drops down to the bottom. And the guy in the well goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm here, I'm here to help you. Help me? Now you're stuck down here. And he says, yeah, but I've been here before and I know the way out. Yeah. That's the power of working together, you know, especially peer to peer. Right. People who actually get it. Yeah, every, every keynote I do, I put my phone number on, on the screen. I go, look, if you're suicidal, call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline or text the 741741. If you're just having a really bad day, call a crazy person. There's my phone number. Because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to judge. I'm just going to listen. You know, I hear the same music you do. You don't explain anything. Right. So. And you can joke about it. Yeah. Would you just address for a minute, because we've been talking around this a little bit, but having having a way to talk about this that is a little lighter, that that is supported by humor, as you said earlier, nobody dies laughing. Um, right. There's some power, I think, to taking a different angle, a different look at this, rather than the deep, dark stuff that we're used to. Yeah, I think the... When I get on stage, people watching me as a comedian talk about a really dark subject. You know, people, everybody has kind of an idea in their mind what, what someone with mental illness looks and sounds like. Right. And then, then you can just see the look on their faces, especially the neurotypical people. Like, I, uh, well, I guess I'll laugh. <laughs> I guess it's okay. Can, can I? Yeah. Yeah. I, because the first time I, you know, I, I can tell you what the barrel of my gun tastes like. Spoiler alert didn't pull the trigger. There's a nervous laugh. And then when it hit the second punchline about that, then they realize, okay, it's okay to laugh about this. Right. Um, you're, you're breaking down the social inhibitions and prohibitions by, right. so by the end, um, there's always, almost always a line of people, individuals. I do a little Q and A at the end for everybody. I say, look, if you got a question, you don't, you don't want to ask in front of everybody. I'll hang out and Sometimes one person, sometimes eight are lined up. Yes. And, and these are stories and things they may not have even told their families. But I've given them permission to give voice to these experiences without recrimination. That's my job, to start the conversation so they can give voice. You mentioned this also in the first half of our program today, Frank, when you were talking about some questions. That if, there, if there's some reason for you to suspect that a loved one or a friend or somebody you don't even know may be having some suicidal ideation, it's okay to ask them, are you thinking of ending your own life? Are you yes, thinking not, not about like, okay. Yeah, uh, what, I, what I say is, uh, first, I usually go with the signs of depression. A couple of the more obvious ones, um, has trouble getting up in the morning, rallies in the afternoon. Uh, let's your personal hygiene go. That's very much, very much, uh, you know, observable. And if you suspect someone's depressed, then you need to ask them, are they having thoughts of suicide? And when I say, if you think they're depressed, I would go with my intuition, my gut. I'm, I'm listening to Malcolm Gladwell's book called Blink. And it's about making a snap judgment just based on something you are not consciously aware of. It's called the adaptive unconscious. Right. Something tickled your adaptive unconscious and you, and you just thought yourself depressed. 
And so go with that feeling. Ask them if they're depressed. If they're depressed, ask them if they're having thoughts of suicide. If you cannot ask that question, which is very difficult, find somebody who can flat out ask that question, are you having thoughts of suicide? Here's why. Eight out of 10 people who are suicidal are ambivalent. They want somebody to ask that question. And nine out of 10 people who are suicidal give hints in the week leading up to the attempt. Again, they want somebody to ask that question, to step in. People are hesitant to ask. And that's they don't know. Yeah, they, they're afraid what the answer is going to be. Right. Because if this person says, yeah, I'm thinking about ending my own life. Well, now what? Yeah. Now what? Let's answer that, Frank. Now what? Now what? Well, ideally you say, well, then let me take you to this particular mental health facility. I'll go with you and check them in. Second best is, um, give them the information on the mental health facility, ask them to contact them. Third best, give them the information and then follow up a day or so later to see how they are. That's, that's the sort of the protocol. Now, uh, if you, you don't know about a mental health facility, you can use a local emergency room. Yes. It, they're not necessarily the best mental health facility, but don't let that stop you. If you're thinking, yes. I don't know what my resources are, everybody's got a resource with a local emergency room, and somebody there is going to know what to do. Well, and here's my advice. I have heart issues. I've had two aortic valve replacements, double bypass, a heart attack, and three stents. <laughs> the thing about a heart attack or heart attack symptom is when you show up at the emergency room with heart attack symptoms, there's no waiting. Uh, nobody, nobody gives a shippa about HIPAA. So I advise if you're having a bipolar breakdown, go in, I, I, I'm having a bipolar breakdown and you know what? I think I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> you get service like that. Get your uh, right you right through sitting, triage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You break your nose, tell me you're having a, you know, a heart attack. Cause I'm telling you, you'll get treatment right away. Uh, <laughs> well, a little disclaimer, this is not medical advice right now no this is this is simply hey let's remove the barriers and if yes. the barrier is fear of asking the question overcome that somehow because how would we can't let our fear lose a life yes and and this is the level of of importance that we're talking about here frank because we very well could save a life Yes. And overcoming our own fear of talking about it. Uh, a company I work for in January, they, they make fire hydrants. And it was a safety meeting. They changed their Senate operating procedure. In that company, if somebody asks you, are you depressed? You are required to say this first. Thank you for asking. It takes the onus off the person who's afraid to say anything because you're afraid you're going to get harsh or, you know, what are you nuts? Why would I be depressed? So the company policy is if somebody asks you if you're depressed, you have to say, listen, thank you ever so much for asking. No, we have a new baby at home. I haven't slept for three days, but better to know that than, yeah. than, than not to ask and then have something happen. Then you've got survivor's guilt. Right. So. Right. Frank, thank you for the resources that you've shared with us here today. I think some of those simple questions, simple and easy aren't the yeah. same. Yeah, <laughs> no, they aren't the same thing. Some of those simple questions could be potentially life-saving. 
I know that you're doing a lot of work in this area. You've mentioned your TED Talks. You give uh, keynote addresses and trainings and whatever else that you're doing. Would you spend just a few minutes to summarize for us where people can connect with you or uh, follow up on promptings they're getting as we're having this conversation today? Yes. Uh, one note we know about mental health services. Uh, I would Google mental health services, whatever county you're in, and free. And you'll get a list starting with the Cadillac services all the way down to the ones that operate on a sliding scale. Yeah. That's, that's what I advise people to do. You can find me, just type in the mental health comedian or the mental health comedian.com. The mental health comedian is my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. So um, that's my brand. Uh, I also have a your TEDx because I coach TEDx. Hmm. Oh, if you go to the mental health comedian, we have a book on men's mental health. It's a four book series, kind of like chicken soup for the soul stories of men by men for men. Nice. If you go to the mental health comedian, put in an email address, you can download the audiobook unabridged. I narrated it. Uh, and it's all about men's mental health. Cause eight out of 10 people who die in the U S now by suicide are men. Um, it's, right. it's a very male heavy. So that's why we, and there were really no books on men's mental health. So we decided, okay, we'll create one. So, yeah. yeah. Frank, you're doing some good work. You're saving some lives. Thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. Well, you know, uh, this is going to sound uh, familiar. It's my purpose. Ah. <laughs> it, huh. and let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Living on purpose. Um, I was speaking and making a good living, you know, networking speech, motivational speech, you know, cardiac speech. When I decided to do as they say in the NSA, pick a lane and, and the riches are in the niches, I picked suicide prevention as a topic. And then I picked four or five occupations that have high rates, dentists, veterinarians, construction physicians. And all of a sudden, by picking suicide prevention as my topic, it was like I could almost hear the puzzle pieces falling into place. Mm -hmm. It's like the, like the universe got behind me. It all of a sudden became a tailwind mm. instead of a headwind. Right. And I, keep, I bumped into people. I had opportunities. It just was just like, why did I take this road before? Uh, right. so, yeah, so take that exit to my purpose or living on purpose. <laughs> Trust me, it'll get you where you need to go. And it might surprise you. <laughs> Yeah, it may not be the interstate that everybody else is driving on, but chances are, you know. <laughs> well, Frank and I appreciate your showing up today here at Live On Purpose Radio. Um, oh, you're welcome. This conversation, I think, is going to make a difference for some folks. And, and people, as you're listening, you might think of someone who would really benefit from this conversation as well. Would you please share it with them and take anything that you've learned here today from, from me and Mr. Frank King, the mental health comedian. Uh, yeah, they're welcome to reach out to me. My phone number's on my website. My email, of course, is on the website. So, Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Do it. Whatever you're feeling prompted to do, it's time for all of us now to go live on purpose.